So I think understanding, you know, what do cities need? What do they want? What are they lacking? And how can the national level support? I think that'll be something that's really worth focusing on. And I think having the voice of cities in the discussion is something important as well. Welcome to The Jolt. It's Monday, the 12th of February. I'm your host, Sam Morgan. Coming up later in the show, I'm going to introduce you to a new member of Foresight's star-studded editorial team. And we're going to be chatting about the exciting new coverage of cities and buildings that will be coming your way soon. Stay tuned for that. First, let's take a look at the big climate and energy stories making headlines around the world. Banking giant Barclays will no longer directly finance oil and gas projects according to a new plan. The British bank will also require its energy sector clients to produce transition and decarbonisation strategies by the beginning of next year. Barclays joins the likes of HSBC, BNP Paribas and Crédit Agricole in pledging to scrap direct financing. Activist groups have welcomed the bank's new policy, but also say that Barclays should have gone further and axed all involvement with any clients that focus exclusively on fossil fuel exploration. The UK government is in talks with Hitachi over buying land in North Wales, which has been earmarked for a new nuclear plant. The government is reportedly interested in purchasing the site from Hitachi after the Japanese industrial firm abandoned plans in 2019 to build a new reactor on Inismon. The Financial Times reports that the government hopes to convince Hitachi to sell the land and to tempt US nuclear firm Westinghouse to launch a new project there. Ten U.S. states have urged President Joe Biden to issue emergency worker protection standards against extreme heat. Attorneys General from New York, Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, as well as Washington, D.C., signed a petition calling for more safeguards this summer. The government said in 2021 that it would develop standards on working hours and conditions in hot weather, but that process could take years to complete and finalise. The petition says the rule should apply on an interim basis. Air quality improvements made in recent years could be totally wiped out by climate change, warns a new report. The First Street Foundation, a research organisation, says that air quality in the US could go back to levels last seen in the early 2000s as a result of climate fueled wildfires and smog. First Street has developed an online tool that collates air quality data across the US and hopes that regulators will be able to use it to update policies accordingly. Trinidad and Tobago has been hit by a massive oil spill after a tanker ran aground and turned over near the Caribbean archipelago. 15 kilometres of coastline has been affected, and the Prime Minister has called it a national emergency. Disaster teams say they have managed to contain the spill for now, and they've prevented it from drifting further along the shore. The identity of the vessel has not yet been confirmed. EU diplomats have signed off on new rules designed to decarbonise heavy road transport. The agreement was once again delayed by Germany, whose government had threatened to tank the deal if extra provisions were not made for synthetic e-fuels. Sound familiar? That's because last year Berlin did exactly the same thing for similar rules for light vehicles. After winning its small concession once again, Germany stood aside. The new truck law will target 90% emission cuts by 2040. 
actor Ray Fiennes has come out against renewable energy projects in his home county in England. The Lord of Aldermore actor is campaigning against planned electricity substations. He insists that offshore power should be prioritised. And South Africa has suffered its worst spate of power blackouts for months. The mass outages were triggered by more than 4 gigawatts of power generation going offline due to faults. That forced regulators to take 6 gigawatts of demand off the grid. Repairs are ongoing and the country's electricity minister says normal service should be resumed on Wednesday. Unfortunately for South Africans, normal service still means regular short power cuts thanks largely to years of mismanagement by state-run utility Eskom. That's it for today's news updates. Now a little announcement about Foresight's ever-expanding coverage of the energy transition. I spoke with Foresight's new Cities and Buildings editor, Sean Carroll. The energy transition gathers pace every day. It might hit roadblocks, encounter problems, derail slightly now and then, but it does continue nonetheless. It's an epic shift in how society runs, how it's built, and how it's managed. That's why we here at Foresight continue to keep track of how decarbonization is progressing, how it affects day-to-day lives, how it's going to change our world. In the past couple of years, we've launched the What Matters and Policy Dispatch podcast. We've written deep dive article after deep dive article on everything from ammonia production to zinc mining. And of course, we've started The Jolt, this daily show that you're currently listening to. Now we're up in our game even further, and we're going to bring you even more insight and content on issues that absolutely impact your daily lives, cities and buildings. To do that, we've added another name to our growing roster of journalists, and it gives me really great pleasure to introduce Sean Carroll, our new colleague that's going to be leading this coverage for Foresight. Sean, welcome to the show and welcome to the team. Thanks so much, Sam. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you. Bit of background for the listeners, I guess. It's quite funny because Sean actually took over from me at the previous place I used to work. So this is a bit of a reunion of sorts and we actually get to work together for a bit longer than um, I think it was two days or something, wasn't it? So uh, great stuff. Exactly. I feel like I'm following you around, Sam. Wherever you go, I end up there as well. And I thought there was something hanging over my shoulder. So Sean, you're starting the new job, cities and buildings, I guess lots of things to, to write about then. What have you got on your radar already? And are you looking forward to getting started? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a fascinating topic. It's a fascinating time to be covering cities and buildings. I mean, one of the issues is just that there's so much to cover. I mean, with, with cities, it's not a case that I'll be lacking for stories, I'm sure. It, it's really, I mean, the, the challenge now is to refine the scope so that we look at things in a way that's useful and valuable for our listeners and our readers. I mean, one of the things I've been doing since joining Foresight is talking to various stakeholders working on cities and buildings and finding out what's relevant for them. Um, and it's been really interesting. I, I've been lucky to talk to some of the some experts in the field already. And yeah, I'm looking forward to diving straight into it. Fantastic. I mean, do you get the sense that cities and buildings are a bit of an overlooked topic when it comes to the energy transition? I mean, I know we always hear the same statistics about how buildings account for 40% of emissions in Europe and so on. So do you think that the coverage you're going to do is going to go some way to readdressing that and maybe giving it a bit more prominence? Yeah, I mean, I I certainly hope so. Uh, One of the things that I heard, which was quite uh, amazing to me, is that, I mean, everyone in Brussels at least talks about the Green Deal, the need to, you know, get the Green Deal up and running. But actually, what I learned is that 70% of the legislation will need to be enacted in cities at the local level. 
So this really means that cities are at the forefront of uh, this climate and energy transition. And one of the fascinating things about cities is that, uh, I mean, places like Brussels, like Washington, D.C., like Westminster, they can feel quite distant, I think. But people identify with their cities. People feel like a Londoner or a New Yorker or Brussels, whatever it is. People, people feel a certain amount of ownership. So when cities come to enact uh, these changes, they really need to bring the people along with them. So, I mean, that's that's something that I think doesn't get enough coverage of how cities are, they need to have the resources to, you know, make these green changes, but they also need to really make it something that is palatable and that is accepted by the citizens themselves. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to understanding that dynamic, not only how we achieve the green transition, but how we bring people along and make it something that they see as not just a, a hassle or a burden, but something that could actually improve their lives. Absolutely. I think it's quite easy sometimes when you're reporting about legislation and policy making, you do really miss that link between how it affects actual people. And like you say, cities really are the, the forefront of that. I mean, in, in terms of like the main topics and issues when it comes to cities, and the energy transition. Is there something already in mind that you, you want to focus in on and, and learn a bit more about and share with um, the listeners and readers? One of the things when it comes to buildings um, and kind of decarbonizing our built environment is this idea of energy poverty and how we can tackle energy poverty through building stock renovation. So obviously in the EU, at least, there's now moves to make it mandatory to basically renovate or upgrade the worst perform. I think it's the 15% worst performing buildings. And in theory, this sounds great, right? I mean, it, you have, once you've renovated the buildings, you'll have lower utility bills, you'll have less carbon emissions. So it seems like a win-win situation. But of course, carrying out these renovations, it costs money. You need to hire uh, professionals with you know, a, an expertise that is still quite hard to find. And then there is the question then, once you've done this, even though the utility bills will be, will be less in the future, that initial investment needs to be recouped. So is there going to be a green premium? Are we going to see for tenants? Are we going to see rents go up? If a, if a building is constructed using green methods, is that building going to be more expensive? Is it going to become unaffordable for people? This question of how we can make the green transition equitable is something that I think is really interesting and something that, that shouldn't be overlooked. Yeah, another issue that I think is really important is the upcoming elections. So obviously there's a lot of elections uh, on the horizon, there's the EU elections, there's the US elections, uh, the British elections, of course. And this is obviously, you know, focused on national level, but what happens at national level has a major impact on cities. So cities are uh, gathering together in networks and they're putting together manifestos of what they want to see at the national level. And this means how uh, the national level can support them in making the climate and energy transition. So I think understanding, you know, what do cities need? What do they want? What are they lacking? And how can the national level support? I think that'll be something that's really worth focusing on. And I think having the voice of cities in the discussion is something important as well. 
I, I can give you many more examples, Sam. I, I don't want to take up hours of your time. You don't know. You don't want to waste all your uh, good material on me, Sean. There's something <laughs> keeping keeping reserved. I mean, it sounds like it's your your classic sort of three Ps. Then people, politics, and and policy. I mean, it's it all comes together in some way, doesn't it? I mean, you're not going to be working in a silo by any means at all, because everything else that we write and record podcasts about whether or not it's energy generation uh, electric mobility how you heat your homes industrial policy it's all going to affect cities buildings in a, in a huge way and i guess that's going to be another challenge for well for you as well is is sort of wrangling all of this this news developments and actually seeing how they affect decarbonization of buildings construction materials um, again, and keep listing things, can't I? But we've got only a limited number of time. Everything has to do with cities in a way. I mean, the, the majority of people, I mean, the world's increasingly urbanizing. So the majority of people's lives uh, are, are spent in cities. I mean, all of my major experiences, I can think of almost all of them took place in a city, oftentimes in a building. So, I mean, when we talk about the energy and climate transition, it, it's inescapable that cities and buildings are going to be a major part of that conversation. So people are obviously going to be very intrigued by what you're going to be working on. Um, is there the best, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you maybe and give you some hot scoops or exclusives or just a bit of insight into what you should be writing about, recording about? Happy to talk to literally anyone that wants to reach out to me. Um, I, I'm really looking to learn as much as I can. So people can email me at sean at foresightmedia.com and that's uh, s-e-a-n uh, and you can also reach me on twitter my handle is at sean underscore g underscore carol so you can reach me there send me a dm and i'm happy to to speak to uh, anyone and everyone fantastic people can even leave a comment in the contribution section on this episode as well because we all read them we all get the emails saying that someone has left something and we really value your feedback thank you for joining me sean this has been really great i think to introduce you to all of our listeners because like we said in the chat cities and buildings are really the, the battleground of where all of these things that we write about and record about in our other uh, podcasts and articles really take place and I'm really looking forward to seeing what you come up with in terms of showing it actually happening in the real world, because a lot of what we do report on is sometimes theoretical, uh, but that tangible element and how it actually impacts society is really the important part, quite frankly. So um, really looking forward to working with you. Likewise. Thanks so much for the opportunity to chat, Sam. I've been a big fan of uh, what you're doing with Foresight for a long time, so I'm, I'm really happy that I'm going to be part of it. Many thanks for joining me today. Do get in contact with Sean if you have anything to say about cities and buildings. I'll be back tomorrow with more. If you're not a Foresight subscriber, then I'll catch you on Friday when Kira and I review the week's biggest news developments. If you'd like to tune in to Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday's episodes, join our growing community of members. There's a link in the show notes for details on how to get one month free, no strings, or you can head over to foresightmedia.com forward slash onboarding forward slash the jolt. Thanks to everyone behind the scenes at Foresight for making the jolt possible and shout out to Mute Island for providing the theme music. Until next time, thanks for being a part of the jolt.